We welcome back to the show today. The tripod is back together. My transatlantic brothers from different mothers, Terry Canova and Phil Segala here. How are you doing today, Terry? I am great. Always good to be with my, my two brothers from all over the place. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and Phil, welcome back. I know you couldn't quite, you couldn't make our cricket cup and you were missed. Uh, but how are you doing? It's been far too long. Uh, yeah, my, my bit in great demand. Uh, a lot of a lot of people trying to get me on all their podcasts, obviously. Yes. So yes, I can only do. But I but I came home to the biggest and the best one and the original one. So glad to be back today with you guys. Sorry, I missed last time. No worries. It's very good to have you back. Very good to have you back. Thank so you. Uh, basically, we were talking off air. So, Phil, you asked me a question just before we got on air. So why did, did you, you, you repeat were, it? We were, we were scheduled to start this at a certain time today, and, and yeah. Terry was ready early, and he said, I got on. and said, I could hop on. We're waiting for you. And I made a comment that we're probably going to wait on Stephen because he's probably still stuck at the 19th hole. Yes. Uh, for those who don't know golf, that means the bar, right? So – he hopped on. Stephen came on and said, "No, uh, no time for the nineteenth hole at all," which is disappointing. But it's because it was a nearly a five-hour round. Yeah, and, and, and you asked, "Did I round. shoot 150, or was yeah, it just so very crowded?" Five-hour yeah. round, either it's either really, really crowded, or you shot, you know, 120, 130, or something. So what? What? Why did it take nearly five hours? You could watch a baseball game in that amount of time. You, you can with with probably extra innings as well. Um, so. Do you have, I'm sure you do, but it might, it might be called a slightly different thing. So we have a thing called societies here. So like a golf, like, a, like there might be 30 people in a, in, a, in a golf thing and they'll take up every tea time for two hours or something. And it's always particularly slow behind that. Do you have that like a golf group or something along those lines? Are you about to show me, show me something here in terms of a... No, oh, not me. I'm oh, so I, oh, sorry. I thought you were about to show me your like golf society membership card or something. So, Phil, yeah, yeah so <laughs> built up the suspense there. But yeah, we, so basically today, they, they, it's unusual for them to have it on a Saturday. Um, but they had a huge group of very noisy, quite useless individuals playing. Um, and we were stuck behind this big society, unfortunately. So, and also, I was in a four ball, which is always a bit painful as well. So, I played all right, but I had one ten, unfortunately, Phil, which uh, ruined my ruined my straight play. I got thirty six points, well, so Stableford, so not not the end of the world. So one ten, so you are keeping, uh, yeah, you are keeping scores. So ninety seven so was straight play, not not the best. Right. Well, have you been able to play much? I know that uh, because of the pandemic and stuff, there are times we didn't get to play just a whole lot. So yeah, so this time last year, things things are just back open back up again after about twelve weeks of no golf. But um, actually, this year now um, we've changed the jobs and stuff. I'm try- I try and get in, get out after work, and it's it stays late quite late here. It stays light quite late here now, so it, you can still play golf at the moment. It's twenty past eight, so it's actually it's actually quite good in terms of that. So. Um, yeah, I've probably played six or seven times this year so far, which is which is quite good. How about yourself? Uh, not much this year, uh, just because everything got going on. If I'd had any time, I would have recorded podcast with you a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, so. absolutely. Sorry, Terry, I know you're not a golfer, so this is probably very boring. Are you still awake there at the moment? I'm awake, but if I were watching golf, I would already be asleep. <laughs> All right, let's get off golf. And let's get on to what we've all come here for today. And that's the Universal Wrestling Federation. So this is the longest missing piece of the Mid-South UWF puzzle we've had so far. A gap from mid-May 1986 to the end of June 86. And it's really such a shame. I think I've got one of these episodes on DVD downstairs that are missing actually having 
searched around, but I'm not, we're not going to recover that today. Um, but that said, we've got a good run in store now, as I believe we're pretty much at an episode a week until around the end of 86. So we're right the way through for the rest of 1986. And really, the last few months of this being um, run and operated by um, Bill Watts before the, the Crockett buyout in April 87. So we'll start with the episode that aired on June the 28th, 1986, and pleasingly, the video on YouTube was nearly 55 minutes long. And you know what that means. That means original adverts, which are my new favorite thing. Um, yes, yes. So, yes, this tape started with Dark Journey in the Ring and a sign saying two weeks ago on UWF. Journey said she was sick of Michael Hayes' lies. We then got Ted DiBiase telling Michael that the PS stands for Prissy and then something that rhymes with that. So it appears Mr. Hayes was not too popular with his contemporaries at this time. Now... Before the show itself, I wanted to ask both of you, because I haven't asked this and I can't recall we've ever talked about this on air. What did you think of the name change? Phil, you go first. Mid-South Wrestling, all of a sudden, Universal Wrestling Federation. It's obviously quite close to World Wrestling Federation, but not exactly. What did you think of, what, what did you think of this at the time? What did you think, of, think about this in hindsight? I think you're on mute, actually, Phil. I think you're on mute. Just let him get. We've got all, all, all fun and games so far today, haven't we? There we go. Right, 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 right. Okay, so uh, yeah, I turned on the uh, cough button there and didn't turn it back off. So at the time, um, I was actually very excited to see the the changes, and there's a couple of reasons, and I made some notes earlier. And, and, and again, at the time, uh, WWF wasn't as a huge name. Uh, as it would be just a couple of years after this point, after WrestleMania really started getting, you know, you had multiple good WrestleManias, you know, um, you know, the first one here in our area wasn't that big a deal. It was mm. just another, the start of something, but as it, as it got bigger and bigger, but at the time, and they changed the format here, obviously the matches are not in a wrestling studio. Yep. Um, and they're in a, in an arena with your announcers. So, um, two thoughts that came to mind over that, um, all the matches I've been to, I've been to many, many routes, many, many WWF, you know, SmackDown, Raw, I've been to many Mid-South wrestling matches and things. Never got to see a wrestling match in a television studio. It occurred mm. to me I'd never been to a television studio uh, recording. So uh, that just came to mind. Just realized I, it's where I see most of my wrestling was watching on television in a television studio. Um but this format that changed, it became very much like WCCW was at the time. Mm. Uh, this was what WCCW had always done in Fritz's Von Erich territory down there in Dallas and, and some of the surrounding areas. They did, you know, in Reunion Arena or at the Sportatorium, they did big crowds like this instead of a wrestling studio. And it had that kind of feel to it, which I very much liked. Yeah, definitely. And I, and I actually... Um... I talk with, I think maybe a show that hasn't come out yet. I'm all a bit mixed up because we're a bit far, far ahead in the um, recording schedule. But I actually really like, and this sounds odd, I actually really like UWF together. I think UWF together is better than Universal Wrestling Federation. For some reason, I don't know why. Universal Wrestling Federation is fine, but UWF, I really like those initials together. It just works for me. Um, Terry, what, what are your sort of thoughts on this? What were your thoughts at the time? And maybe with you know, some degree of hindsight here in terms of this name change. Yeah, you know, um, I think we've talked about this before. I guess at this time, you know, I'm off away in the in the military, and so I kind of missed this at real in real time. Um, you know, I I don't remember. Uh, I guess at the time, what I would have thought. Um, 
for, for me, maybe I'm just way a traditionalist. Um, my favorite thing as far as watching wrestling was either the studio shows from Mid-South or the house shows where it's really dark, dark, and you have the one light over the ring. Mm. I don't know. I don't know why, because obviously, and, and I agree with Phil, this is just like world class. This is much better production. It's, it's easier to see. It's better camera work. But maybe it's just because I miss those nights in New Orleans on Monday night where you're right there in an intimate setting with no announcers and it's just different. And so, so for me, I can appreciate this. It's, it's enjoyable. It's, it's just like being at a show, but uh, I I prefer the the gritty dark house show footage over, over this. You're doing a good job. You're doing a good job describing that. I remember, especially as a small kid, watching some of the playbacks of the stuff in the late 60s, mid 70s, what you're talking about, those dark arenas, not, you can't see anything but the three folks in the ring and it's smoky and I get, you know, it's just some type of edge to it that that is different, makes it feel yeah, very real. Why? Because from a production standpoint, I, obviously this is way better. Uh, I, I guess it's just a childhood memory and and or memories of, of just sitting there in the auditorium and and you know if, if you if you went to live shows back then there was a difference you know uh, on on a TV card in in many cases you you got a smaller amount of time and so that all the 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 fluff is eliminated from the match they got to get right to the point it's short and quick whereas you know. At the at the arena itself, you got all that extra stuff. Uh, in particular, Mr. Wrestling Two, he was one of those guys. When you would see him at a live show, he would really work the crowd and give you a lot of extra stuff. And he had all these little gyrations he would do, and and all of these different things. And so, so I, I, I guess that is kind of what I missed from from going from the from the arena to to the to the TV show. So I don't know if that makes sense to anybody, but, but that's no, it, just, my- it, it does. And they are, they are like night and day that, you know, Boyd Pierce is gone. The production is very different. The, the, you know, the commentary position on, on the kind of stage, which we, I guess WWF are doing at this, at this, at this point. But again, I've, I've seen very little of WWF television. you know, the syndicated shows from around this, this time. I just, I just haven't seen them because they're not available really apart from the odd YouTube one. Um, but yeah, it, it is, it is really like night and day. Um, but I can see why they did it, and and the promotion. I think, well, we'll talk about this obviously more when we get go through these um these these shows. But I, I thought this some of the stuff was, was pretty strong and a, and a good return to form. So, um, Jim Ross was on the commentary stage with the aforementioned Michael Pierce Hayes uh, this week from the Tulsa Convention Center. And Ross talked about two title matches: Terry Taylor defending the TV title against a newcomer called the Libyan, plus Steve Williams was getting the biggest opportunity of his career in challenging Terry Bam Bam Gordy for the UWF Heavyweight Championship. Now, as was touched upon in recent episodes, the UWF ran a tournament for this newly created title rather than just having the last last North American champion, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, take ownership of it, and it was Duggan who. Um, lost to Gordy in the tournament final in controversial circumstance in Houston on May 30th, 1986. 
Um, Cowboy Bill Watts would also be an action against Korchenko. And if Watts won, he would get Eddie Gilbert for five minutes. So a pretty star-studded and important show by all accounts. And Ross threw down to the ring as Hayes said, I'm sexy, pretty hilariously. I thought Hayes was good while he was on the show. And up first was the TV title defense of Terry Taylor versus the Libya, for, for, sorry, versus the Libyan from Libya. Nancy Loudon, the UWF trivia contest win, winner, was shown at ringside. And then Taylor was came out to a great response. Um, and unfortunately, not an amazing video uh, to work with this week, alas. And I have no idea who the Libyan was. He doesn't have an entry on cage match. Gents, do you have any idea about this guy at all? So yeah, I, I looked him up. Oh, go on. Go no, on. I, I looked, um, he had a, a Spanish name, Mistovia. I, I, I could pull it up, but I looked it up. But, of course, there is a Libyan at this time. This is a Libyan in the process, isn't it, I guess? Yeah. It's, well, yeah, well, um, you know, true to Bill Watts style, whoever America is having a skirmish with, we're going to have somebody from that country yeah. in the ring, right? So in the past few months, there had been a lot of uh, Libyan terrorist activity that sunk some ships, uh, that bombed a disco in Germany. But America, just about two months before this match, America is dropping bombs on Libya. Yeah, yeah. So that's it. So it, true to true to Bill Watts style, he's going to uh, pick whoever we're having the most skirmish with, right? Yeah. We, we've seen that. Whether it's we've seen that over the years for both. It's Gustavo Mendoza is his name. Gustavo Mendoza. Here's a oh okay interesting. So he he was he so okay so so they they've just not linked together the um the stuff on uh, on cage match. Um, this is completely off topic, and I'm only I'm asking this because I've recently listened to a really long podcast. I started listening to this podcast with David Bixen Spanner, I really like on Twitter. I would recommend him, and he does um a look back over uh, either a subject or a time period with the Pro Wrestling Torch, the Wrestling Observer, Matt Watch, um, all of the kind of newspapers and stuff that were available at the time. So they you got huge archives. Do you do either of you remember? When the WWF ran, I mean, obviously, you're, you guys are Americans, cl- clearly, in case you haven't noticed that on the, on the show already. Um, so I remember this. I remember watching this as it happened, but it didn't have the impact for me because obviously I'm a Brit and though we were involved in the conflict. Um, it just wasn't the same thing. And I was very young. So do you, do you two remember when the WWF were promoting Sergeant Slaughter as the kind of anti-American Iraqi sympathizer? And Absolutely. What, what did you fit? Because so the, the podcast I listened to is how how the various journalists and publications felt that was how far over the line that was. Now you guys, you know, living it, living and breathing it. What would, what was that like for you? Was that a massive turnoff or, or was it, this is just wrestling, wrestling have done this sort of thing. Where did you sort of stand there? Phil, you, Phil, you, you jump in first. Yeah, I, it, it seemed to be a turnoff. Now I didn't get to see as much Sergeant Slaughter back then from our television. And a lot of it was through magazines, right? Yeah. So we'd be getting the, the magazines. Uh, what was um, incredible to me was not long after that when he turned back to being a, a face, you know, yeah. because he, he had been a heel. So yeah, we, uh, oh yeah, he was a, you know, he was a traitor to the country. It was, yeah. Was... Do you, what, Terry, what are your memories of that? Did, 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 was it, was it, a, was it a kind of turn off heat, go away heat, or was it, you know, was it an angle you could kind of put, put some of the, real life situation aside and, and kind of get into, I suppose. Yeah, I, I think, I think it was good. I, I, I always, I, I was never one of those people who felt like 
that was crossing the line. Mm. You know, maybe, maybe I was just a habitual line crosser. <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I never, you know, I always thought, you know, it's a it's a villain or it's a bad guy's job to draw heat from the crowd. And so, you know, I'm sure there, there are things that are off limits that you shouldn't do, but, but I just kind of felt like that was kind of par for the course for wrestling. Cause you know, as, as you just mentioned, you got the Libyan here, uh, people like Bill Watts always played on uh, heels from, from foreign countries. So it, it, it didn't, uh, it was to me. It wasn't off limits. I thought it was. It was a good use of, of heat and, and a good creation of, of a major heel. Interesting. Uh, I thought this match back to Taylor and the Libyan um, was was really good fun, and the crowd was super hot for this. Um, Taylor hit a lovely back suplex and drop kick and follow up. Um, crowd were electric, as I said, um, and Taylor looked really good at winning in two minutes and forty seven seconds. Um, Terry, what do you think of this opener? It, it was it was a solid match. Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't put it uh, in a in a class of of being a great title match. Uh, the, the Libyan I, I don't remember much about him, uh, and you know by watching him perform, it's no reason why. Uh, but but uh, the the one thing that 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 kind of caught me with the match was at the end, uh, Terry Taylor with the pinfall. He doesn't hook the leg, and that always bothered me. Okay, you know you're a baby face. You're 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 a smaller baby face. You got to be technical. You're going up against a bigger guy. You put your finisher on him. You put a big move. Just lock, just hook the leg. <laughs> you know, <laughs> come on, coach. Tell him, get him, coach. Get him. <laughs> uh, what did you think? What did you think of this one, uh, Phil? Yeah, you know, they come out with a title match uh, right at the beginning where it's not a big title match, like you said. But, you know, Terry's got to defend his title every week or television champion's got to defend the title. So let's come out swinging with the title match right off the bat. Oh, sorry. I just lost you there a second. Are you still there? Are you still there, Jeff? I think you are. Yeah, sorry. Something, something just went in my ear. So uh, anything else to add on this one before we go on to the, the next? Well, go on to a, something very important, which is our first advert break. <laughs> So, advert break one, we had a man shouting about stopping smoking. Just stop smoking. We got a siren, more shouting, and details of a tablet that would stop you smoking and you would not gain weight. Then a lady came on and said, stop smoking and not gain weight. That's like having your cake and eating it. We got a few testimonials from happy customers of what, and this product was called Cigarest. You are guaranteed to stop smoking in five days. Five days? (laughs) Or 100% money back guarantee from the good people at Cigarettes. Unfortunately, um, I, I, this is the thing that we didn't, didn't get here. So occasionally on these advert breaks, you get one advert for the whole break. So I was really hoping for some other adverts, but this was just the hot, this took up the whole thing basically. But yeah, anything to add on Cigarettes and are, are either of you or were either of you smokers? If that isn't too personal a question, why don't you go first, Phil? Uh, I never smoked. I do remember this commercial. This was a national commercial. It ran yeah. on other channels. It ran on other shows. Whoever uh, videotaped this program and put it on YouTube, obviously, was from New Jersey, and there's some local yes. New Jersey car dealership commercial. But this was a national commercial, and I remember cigarettes. Uh, uh, probably didn't work, or people still be using it today. Absolutely, Terry. What did you? What did you? What are your memories of cigarettes? Well, it just goes to show you how how fate 
could could sometimes step into our lives. My mom is uh, 78 years old and still smokes. Mm. Unfortunately, I was in the army at this time. If I would have been home and she would have I'd have had wrestling on, she just saw this dang commercial. <laughs> she might not be smoking today, but unfortunately she missed it and uh you know, so she's still at it. So well, that's she's- all. She's de- de- yeah, very decent innings there. So obviously it's not it's not doing her hopefully too much harm. But yeah, there we go. Um, back to Ross, who said we'd be getting our uh, to our UWF title match shortly. But moments ago, they got some comments from both men. Williams first backstage. This was the big one and the one he had been training for. The UWF belt was what he was after, and Gordy was going to find out how tough he was. Gordy said this was the highest paid title belt in the world, and all the major guys wanted a shot at it. He said, Dr. Death wasn't tough enough to take it. And after he gets through with him, he's going to be history. I thought these were great. Um, Terry, what do you think of these pre-match in- interviews here? Yeah, my, my favorite thing, I know I've said this a million times, my favorite thing of, for, for wrestling were, was back in the day watching the uh, local inserts for the local matches upcoming, mm. whether, whether it was Mid-South or uh, on WTBS talking about the Omni uh, upcoming matches. So, so for this, I, I, I love it. There's nothing better than watching the, these pre-match interviews, the guys talking about what they're going to do before they get in the ring. I, I loved it. Yeah. Big time. I thought these were so good. Phil, what did you think of this? Yeah. I like the, the longer format, being able to have those in there. Uh, and this is my kind of setting up for my kind of match. We'll go into that. Yeah, absolutely. But, Ross and Hayes did a great job putting over how important this was to Williams with him never having had a major singles title in his career at this point and how much of a big deal the title itself was. Um, this was TV time remaining, which I always think is great and a nice touch to these championship matches on uh, UWF Mid-South because it adds a real sports feel to it. Um, they, they, uh, they do a similar thing in AEW that's not quite the same, but they say if their, their title match starts at, what, half 10 or 20 past 10, they say, we're going to stay with this if it goes past the top of the hour. It never has, but they, yeah. you know, they they say, so they, 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 right. they like, they cover that little little note, which I think is, is a really good one. Um, this was super heated. Um, Hayes described Bam Bam as being the world champion of the universe, which I enjoyed. Um, and he was great um, throughout supporting Gordy, very much sort of Bobby Heenan, 1992, Ric Flair and the Royal Rumble. Hayes was superb. Um, at 3.55, Gordy threw Williams into the corner post and the top rope snapped and it fell to the ring. Um, they showed the ring crew trying to fix it, so clearly this was not a planned spot. Um, Hayes screamed illegal when Williams caught Gordy with punches. Uh, and again, I can't stress how good he was here. At 6.15, Williams backdropped Gordy out of a pile driver attempt and he ended up going over the top rope. The ref was great here as it looked like he was going to disqualify Williams before he stopped. And then Ross said it wasn't intentional. Um, the match then went to a break and we got a promo from Terry Taylor standing topless with his TV title belt. He challenged the winner of Williams and Gordy and then talked about the wear and tear of being a champion and how good the shows were for the fans and how they would keep on going. Uh, we then got Eddie Gilbert with a massive plaster on his forehead. He talked about Bill Watts' ugly face and all of the things he wanted to do to him, including lashing. Um, he said that if Watts was to beat Korchenko, he better take advantage of it as he is the master of plans in wrestling. And G- Gilbert wasn't great here, but I thought that Taylor was fine. But going back to the match, it's just I mean, obviously local promos and for breaks here. But when we went back to the ring, Hayes was complaining about the over the top rope, but the referee shooed him away. 
Cowboy Bill Watts made his way to ringside to even things up. Um, and at seven minutes and 45 seconds, the referee was bumped courtesy of a Williams body check on Gordy. Watts tried to revive him and Hayes tripped Williams before Watts decked him. The crowd were going bananas at this point. Williams hit the stampede slam and then Watts counted the full and the crowd erupted. And I think they thought it was a title change as Born in the USA played over the Tannoy. Um, Hayes and Co were fought off again. Um, I thought I saw Williams with a belt here, but maybe I imagined it. And I can't be sure because the picture was so bad. But I thought from start to finish, this presentation was just really, really, really fantastic. Um, Terry, what did you think of this? And did I, did I imagine this belt or did you see that somewhere in there? No, I, I, I'm agreeing with you. I'm, I'm not quite sure either. Um, but, uh, but yeah, a great hard-hitting match. Uh, it, it's, it's one of those matches, again, that, that we referred to where the, the finish is, is a little bit unclear because you got a ref bump and you got the wrong person making the three count. But, but if you're in that arena at the time or if you're watching it on TV at the time, you just you're jumping up and down because your guy got the three count. And so, uh, good, good, yeah. fun match. Exactly, completely agree. I'm um, fell over to you. Yeah, tr- uh, overall, really good match. I like the battles of the big guys. Um, I, I really enjoyed this one, and of course, they had a well thought out ending where you know Doctor Death could get the pin, but still not get get the belt. So, um, during the first watching of these two, and it's preparing for this, I, I noticed how many times that uh, Jim Ross and even even Michael Hayes mentioned my favorite, the Oklahoma Sooners, right? Yeah. So I don't know if you caught uh, – no, uh, something that, that they're doing here is I, I think they're bridging the connection between the old guard, Bill Watts, the, the, the older wrestling fans and the newer wrestling fans, connecting these two together uh, as being both playing for the Oklahoma Sooners. Now, you might have meant, you might have noticed, i got to point this out, that P.S. Michael Hayes called him a – uh, Williams a cheater, and that, that's what they probably did in the Orange Bowl. He mentioned oh, the Orange right. Bowl okay. just yeah. briefly. Okay, earlier that year was the, the last college football game of the year. At that time, it was played on January 1, and <coughs> the Oklahoma Sooners in January 1, 1986, won the Orange Bowl. Okay, so there have been any football games played since then, so we're here in Oklahoma. All these fans are are – Obviously, most of them are going to be Oklahoma Center fans. You've got the two Oklahoma Center players in the ring. So, Michael, you know, true to form is going to insult your local heroes. And, and so, you know, so he called them cheaters. And that's probably how they played in the Orange Bowl. So they're, you know, the the, the fans are are reeling off of that win then. And I just got to point it out that the Sooners won. The most valuable player of the 1986 Orange Bowl was a kicker, Tim Lasher, who I still attend church with to this day. Oh, Excellent, excellent. What did he do? Was it? Um, sorry, this is going to sound such, such a uh, lack of knowledge question here. So, kicker, would he would he take field goals? That that guy, yeah, he kicks the extra points and field goals. The score is twenty five to ten, and he had scored fifteen points himself. So, here's a question for you both. Um, I remember uh, Pat McAfee. I was reading about him. So he was a, pu- a punter for the Patriots, rather than uh, for, maybe maybe kickoff for the Colts. For the Colts. Colts for sorry, Colts. Do um do the people that do that job ever do the field goals as well? Is it always someone different? No, they're it's, specialized. The, the punter punts, and that's it, pretty much mm. now nowadays, right, Terry? Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. it's pretty pretty much specialized. Ironically, uh, back when I was growing up, the New Orleans Saints drafted a, a kicker uh, by the name of Russell 
Erkslaven. Mm. And he was ended up being one of the biggest bust ever. Oh, nice. uh, for, mm. But but he actually did both. And uh, it was a horrible experiment. Uh, and and just uh, he, he is he is still frowned upon by Saints fans, you know, decades later. Uh, but but yeah. the University of Texas, right? One of the best yeah. field goal kickers yes. ever in college. Yes. Yes. Tremendous coming out of college. Uh, but yeah, typically punters and kickers are, are specialized. I may be about to say something slightly blasphemous in the world of American football now. Is that <laughs> how, well, I'm going to ask a question, then I'm going to follow up with my my thoughts. How much would a punter in the NFL get, do you think, paid? A starting punter? Well, then the minimum is what, 200000 a year or something like that? We could look, it's easy, it's, it's easily to look up. Yeah. To, uh, I mean, I feel like that's not a hard job. Is that is that unfair? Just punting, field goals, obviously that's incredibly difficult. But I would have thought loads of people that played rugby could do that punting job. I, I, I find that quite, quite, uh, I, I didn't know that. I didn't know there wasn't a crossover until I read about McAfee after WrestleMania. So I never knew that. I just always assumed it like that. Adam, the one that always uh, sticks in my mind is Adam Vinicieri. I get what Vinicieri. Yeah. Was he Patriots, so, I suppose? Yeah, yes. It, it, uh, yes, you're being a little bit blasphemous because. Uh, yeah, sorry. Very, I can only apologize if one listens in the States. This. Very, I, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> hey, but I just pulled this up. So the highest paid punter in the NFL right yeah. now, Johnny Hecker, $3.7 million a oh. year. <laughs> I need I should have I should have I, Joe what? I used to play I had I had a season and a half planning goal in when in my my when I was about 13. I could kick the kick a football a soccer ball decent amount out of my hands. I should have been an I should have gone to the NFL to be a, my the first British right. punter, shouldn't I, basically? So yeah, to, to piggyback on what uh, to piggyback on what Terry just said, it's showing here that the league minimum for anybody is five hundred is a half a million dollars a year. But Terry here in 2018 says the Saints, Thomas Morstead. Did you, yeah. you remember Thomas? He sure. got, he got paid three point nine million, so four million dollars. And you know there'll be some games where Stephen the punter never has to take the field. Oh yeah, yeah. He might he might have two plays a game, three plays a game, or he might not. Get get on the field. I mean, I, I, the field goal. The field goal is incredibly difficult, and I, I massive. It, it's similar in rugby. The position who, who does something else, they play in the game, so they're not just a kicker. But that's an incredibly skillful position as well. But yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm my mind's a little bit blown by that. I think. Well, and I, and I do think that that is fair. I, I think the field goal kicker, it in many many cases is a lot more valuable mm. than punter might be. Um, sure. But yeah, I, ironically, I was following one of well, our, our punter on Twitter uh, these last couple of days during the draft. Mm. And uh, every time we would draft a good player in the last couple of days, I, I, he would comment something something along the lines of, "I may not have to punt at all uh, next season mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> because of the oh. players we drafted." Yeah. Wow! Wow! I always say, Joe, you know I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go a little bit further with this. This is gonna be even more, even more. I'm in a blasphemous mood this evening recording this. <laughs> I feel like I would have been quite good at baseball because I was decent at cricket growing up, and I feel like cricket's a lot harder than baseball. So here's some more blasphemy about US sports. American wow. football, I wouldn't have been any good. Uh, what's the other one? Basketball, no, not a chance. Baseball, 
I think I might have been all right at that. And also, I never used to actually use a massive mitt to catch anything. I just had to catch it, similar similar hardness of ball. But anyway, perhaps I should, you, you two now should really slag off soccer for <laughs> about 10 minutes after I've really gone to town on uh, on US sports. I, I did try a batting cage in Vegas and I was all right, actually. But yeah, yeah. Perhaps, I, perhaps no, I'll be no, disproven I... if I ever tried it properly. <laughs> well, I can't speak on cricket, so I don't know anything about it. But it's funny you mentioned uh, you guys football or soccer, as we yeah. call it. I, I, I was watching our girls soccer team play a couple nights ago. Uh, one of my basketball players plays on the team. Oh, yeah. And, and, and I made the comment. I said, this is like watching seventh grade girls basketball. Because everybody keeps shooting, but no one can make a shot. <laughs> <laughs> right. They can't even get near the rim, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, um, by the way, gentlemen, I don't know. I can't remember where this is coming out, but Fulham are back in the Premier League next season. So you have to stick, keep, keep your eyes out for that when, for, for one season. If, you, if you've got absolutely nothing to do on a Saturday morning, we might just pop up on NBC next season. So that'd be something for you to look right. forward to. Yeah. Um, right. Back on, back into the, sorry, Phil, did I ask you your thoughts on this match? I can't, I don't, I, maybe I, I can't remember if we just did. Yeah, we yeah. We've done that. Yeah. Cool. Right. We covered it. We covered, we covered right. it. Yeah. Advert time for us all to calm down now. And we've got Chris Koch. Hyundai. Now, Chris's name was K-O-C-H. So I read that in a different way. And I suspect this guy has changed his name. Now, there used to be a a program on uh, British television called Keeping Up Up Appearances, um, where the lead character called herself Hyacinth Bouquet, but her surname was actually Bucket. And I suspect this Chris Koch Hyundai... I believe his name probably rhymed with shock rather than Koch. Um, Chris said that smart people are buying Hyundai. And then shockingly, as you said, Phil, already, I realised this tape was from the UWF in New Jersey of all places. And I think that um, was one of the reasons we got the local promos that we did across this and the episode that you guys are very uh, kindly doing for me next week as well. Um, so basically, we didn't get local promos for means, arena shows. That means... People that are in WWF territory yeah. and land are getting the UWF, obviously. Exactly. And they and rather than the local promos that we're used to seeing on the odd occasion where you, you had like a Louisiana uh, show or something like that, these local promos are not promoting house shows or live shows because there aren't any. Um, so they're just there to kind of build back into the show. So it's slightly um, slightly different. Um, any thoughts on these adverts, either of you, before we uh, before we move on? Oh, I've got I've got I've got a comment now. Go on, go that on. Last name, that last name is not uncommon. There's an oil uh, company industry out here by that name. That's not uncommon. But this gentleman, this Eastern, this damn Yankee, Chris Cott, he's a lying. <laughs> he is a lying car salesman because he said that people were quote flabbergasted by the quality of the hyundai that's got to be a lie there's no way that's not a lie <laughs> i've never had a hyundai so i don't, I, can't, I couldn't i can't judge on that uh, terry <laughs> adjudicate for us i am the proud owner of a hyundai santa fe sport and i ah. absolutely love it good so, good so yes i have owned I knew several, that terry was <laughs> i have owned several and uh you know so yeah it's the say, good stuff. Say it again, because clearly we're, we're not pronouncing it. Our adverts say Hyundai, and I suspect yours say how you're saying it. Say, just say it one more time. Hyundai? Uh, yeah, I can't even say it now. You got me thinking about it too much. <laughs> yeah. Hyundai. As we talked about this, why are there words 
in England and America, the, the same words that are pronounced completely differently, and some are spelt differently as well. Someone, it's a Japanese word. Yeah, someone, yes, yeah, well, that's true. Someone at, at mid-moments to me and explain the English language, please. Um, back to was Jim this Ross. The, was was this on. the same commercial break that had the vinyl repair and the survival knife? Was this the same? I think that's later, break? I think. Okay. I believe, right. yes. Keep, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've got the next page. I've got that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already looking forward to it. Um, back to Jim Ross, who confirmed that both Williams and Gordy were disqualified. Um, I can't think of anything Williams did that warranted this. So a harsh call, I would say. Um, Ross said that the referee was also carried out and they keep us updated. He then slagged off Michael Hayes and said he'd recently spoke to Hacksaw Jim Duggan on some recent events in his career. So Ross talked about the UWF title tournament and Duggan's unfortunate encounter with a one-man gang which had busted Duggan open. They also looked back over Duggan and Gordy's confrontation on UWF television where Duggan, in a lovely white pair of trousers, fought with Gordy and Hayes with Ted DiBiase coming to his aid. Duggan said the doctors have told him not to go near the ring, but he wanted to go and tell Gordy that he didn't deserve the belt and that he hadn't beaten 100% well Hacksaw. They also showed Hacksaw going after Kamala with his two by four and chased away the one man gang. Hacksaw talked about how ba- how badly he had been hurt. Two weeks in bed with scalding hot rags trying to get the swelling down his face down. Which doctor recommended scalding hot rags? Unbelievable. He said he kept his mind active and Gordy Gang and Akbar all had it coming. I thought this was again, this was great. This this week's show is really, really good. Um, Terry, what did you think of this? Well, you know, I, I'm, I always kind of rewatch this as we're we're talking, and and Phil, you may you may remember in in an interview uh, or a book or something, Hacksaw t- talks about getting seriously injured in a match where one of the bolts from the ring post mm-hmm. Act- mm-hmm. him in the head, and if you watch this. Uh, this particular highlight is they show from Houston, Texas. It has some serious bolt sticking out in here. So I don't know if this was the, the that, that he's, he's mentioned before in books. So, so there may be some, you know, some, some legit stuff talking here about him getting seriously injured in this match. Now I don't know about the hot rags and all of that, but, uh, <laughs> But but yeah, th- there was an incident where a, a bolt from a, from a ring post seriously injured a hacksaw at some point. So could oh, be yeah. it. Yeah, this may be it. Um, Phil, any thoughts on these uh, this Duggan segment here? Well, now Terry's got my mind reeling. I got to find out if that's when that happened because he did mention he had a pretty good gash in his head, deep you know a deep gash, not like a blading job. So Terry could be onto something there. Yeah, I think that's definitely so. I've just I've just been slightly distracted by we've we're talking about Fulham earlier on. The, the newest arrival um, in the Fulham group, one of my friends has just had a baby, so I don't know whether it's a boy or girl yet, and I can't tell. But she, he or she, has got a little Fulham towel or blanket, which is a very nice touch. So that's very good. Is that a, oh, is that a, is a, that a soccer? Is that something to do with? Y- yeah. So yeah. So um. Football. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Fulham is uh is the obviously as we talked we talked we talked about and you guys know Dan is obsessed. That's actually Dan's cousin actually that's uh that's just had a baby. So congratulations oh, okay. to him, and I'll miss him in our little break. So um, where were we? Advert time, advert time again. 
uh-oh, if you rip this expensive car seat, you have to mend it with ugly vinyl tape, but not with vinyl mender. This fantastic product is used by the top three car makers. And also you can repair leather coats, golf bags, and much, much more. It's easy to use and will save you hundreds of dollars. Vinyl Mender is unconditionally guaranteed. Just $19.95. What a bargain. Not available in stores. Next up, the Survivor. The ultimate knife to help you survive on your own. The special TV price of only $10. And as part of this deal, you get an extra survival kit that is stored in the handle of the knife. A fishing kit, a liquid compass, sewing equipment, waterproof matches, and more. Plus a heavy-duty sheath and sharpening stone, which you can even keep if you decide to return the knife. Why would you ever want to get rid of your sharpening stone? If you order in the next hour, you also get a multi-purpose sportsman knife. So, Phil, would you have snapped up one of these? And did you have the vinyl mender? Not only did I snap up one, I probably got my first survival knife when I was about 11 or 12 years old. Really? Uh, Okay, yeah. Yes. It just amazed me that you could screw off the handle and inside had... I mean, there was three regular matches that were wrapped up in some plastic. That's what your waterproof matches, right? <laughs> and and a piece of string, needle, and thread, right? And then later I had one, I believe it had a compass in the top. Or this one, I think, had the compass in the top, too. These are still sold in stores today at Army Surplus stores. You can still find these at the State Fair of Oklahoma. These are still for sale. Um I at one time found some of the vinyl mender stuff at a secondhand store, like at a thrift store. And it is a ripoff. It, it doesn't, bro, you can never match the color. You cannot, <laughs> you have to mix, you have to mix separate colors together to try to get the right color. It, so it would never work. Call BS. Right? It never yeah, work. It would never work. Um, Terry, what do you think of these adverts? Hey, r- real quick. Uh, just to make a little point to our listeners at the 28 minute, 10 second mark when Duggan hits that 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 bolt the referee even puts his hand on it much as to say you know hey I think he just hit this bolt oh so okay it's at the 28 10 mark uh, as far as that that knife I had two yeah, brothers, right. I had two brothers there's no way in Hades my mom would have wanted that knife in the house with me and my two brothers because it would not have been a survival knife. <laughs> oh dear. After the break, Eddie Gilbert got on the microphone wearing a lovely yellow t-shirt. He was accompanied by Sting and complained about Bill Watts's actions at an earlier line of live event using a baseball bat on his Russian Kochenko. And as a result of that, Kochenko wasn't there anymore. Uh, big cheers to this. Eddie calls the people sick. Watts also hurt Blade Runner Rock, and he's out as well now. Um, but now Bill Watts is going to have to wrestle Sting. So the Ultimate Warrior was gone to world class by the end of June 86, with his final UWF appearance occurring on June 14th at the Superdome in a losing effort along with Blade Runner Flash. So he was Blade Runner Rock. So I've got a poster in my... Uh, it's my wife's office, really, actually, but I've got, I've got one little wall dedicated to me, which is... Blade Runner rocks. That is Warrior, isn't it, rather than Sting? So I don't know when that must, that must have been before this time. Um, anyway, I digress. And he, yeah, he lost um, a match with Sting to the Freebirds team of Buddy Roberts and Terry Gordy. Uh, Watts was out to born in the USA to big, a big ovation. The stick being if Watts won, he got five minutes of Eddie Gilbert. And if Sting won, he'd be able to give Watts five lashes. Watts got on the microphone and said, when that fat Russian looked in the eyes of a real warrior, 
it was the beginning of the end of Hot Stuff International and basically added that he was going to take out Gilbert. Watts smashed a tied-up-in-the-rope sting with two moves very akin to the stinger splash, uh, which can't have been a walk in the park to be on the receiving end of. Watts then got the pin with the stampede in one minute and 36 seconds, and Sting was completely squashed here. And as the pin was happening, Gilbert came off the top rope to try and strike Watts, but he didn't get there quite in time. This is actually quite a nice spot. Watts then got his hands on Gilbert, ripped his shirt off, busted him open, and then whipped him with his belt. The Freebirds then came out and made the save, and then and Sting beat down on the Cowboy. Gordy used a spike on Watts from the top rope. Um, and the only thing I didn't really understand here was why none of the babyface wrestlers immediately were out to, to save Watts. Um, nonetheless, this was good and a heavy-duty angle, um, switching the Watts feud from Gilbert's largely departed crew, at crew and onto the Freebirds. Um, finally, after an age, the babyface locker room finally did empty and a great brawl ensued while Ross lost his mind brilliantly on commentary. Um, Terry, what do you think of this uh, match and follow-up angle here? Uh, good stuff. Uh, I want to say, and Phil may, may remember this, I want to say Bill Watts tells a story about this Krachinko. I think there was some, some legitimate heat somehow. Uh, and uh, I think Watts put the boots to him one night in an arena show or something, and Krachinko uh, packed his bags and left. And so I yeah. think that's why he ends up having to fight uh, Sting here. Ah, I see. Interesting. Interesting. Um, sorry, Terry, do you have anything more to add on the overall thing here in terms of the match and stuff, or is there anything on this one or before we move over to Phil? Oh, have I lost oh, you Just there? good, good hard stuff and, and, and the cowboy uh, making, making his, making his, Sorry, Terry, there was a little bit of a time lag between us. Now. I think you were still talking and I couldn't hear you. So then I asked you a question and it was frozen. So I think you, you repeat what you've just said, if that's OK, because I'm not sure if that's going to come out. No, no, no. So so, uh, you know, the, there's a story out there by Bill Watts that he actually there was some heat, real life heat between him and Krachinko for some reason. And Bill Watts. I guess beat him up in real life. Right. Okay. He, he gave up wrestling. And so I think that's why this match was changed to be a, a match with sting instead. Right. I see. Okay. I see. I see. Uh, Phil over to you. Yeah. Well, the first one is going back watching the replay. You were kind of surprised about how quickly they had watched this squash sting here, but then you realize letters to make time for all the extra things that are going to happen afterwards to really, to set up the heat and the feud here. Uh, uh, Gilbert was split open pretty good too. I don't know if you noticed that he was bleeding very, a lot there at the end. And uh, you mentioned wrestlers not coming in first. I, I believe it was Ducey come in to try to save him and he got tossed out, but you, you couldn't have him rush in too soon or you couldn't do the internal damage to the throat of Bill Watts, right? You gotta, yeah. you gotta give it time to have that oriental. You are right. Yeah, you are right. Uh, right, finally. Oh, sorry. Next up, we had advert time again, and we got something for Ford. And then it was evil, horrible, monster, and other nasty characters week on the 65 Gold Mine movie. And they ran through a list of B movie type stuff that was going to be airing during the following week, including Night of the Living Dead, 
Back to Ross. And Jim Ross was with Frank Dusek, a person I don't believe we'd ever seen before. He gave an update on Bill Watts that sounded like he was half dead, barely breathing and bleeding from the throat. Bleeding from the throat. Crikey. And um, who was Frank Dusek? And what, do you, do, what are your memories of this guy? Because he's on commentary a little bit and I actually quite like him. He, he was a manager uh, in the Mid-South. When I first started watching, maybe 80s to 81, uh, and, and then kind of went away. Uh, I was kind of in and out, but uh, wasn't there for a long period of time. But but he was a manager at some point in the Mid-South. And uh, But don't, don't remember a whole lot about him and don't remember a whole lot of angles that I saw with him. No. How about you, Phil? At one time, I think they called him Captain Frank, Captain Frank Ducey. Hmm. Uh, I think he did more as a commentator than a wrestler, but he definitely, he definitely did some stuff with WCCW. I do remember that. Okay. Um, yeah, he did some stuff, stuff with them. And, um, I was trying to pull something up on him, see if I could find anything. And it just pulled up. It said one time he defeated, defeated Barry Windham to win the NWA Southern heavyweight championship. And yes, was commentator for UWF, but I remember mainly from the WCCW. Captain okay. Gustavo Mendoza was up next against Coco B, where Ross said that Gustavo has been the subject of a lot of discussion. Uh, as during the open to the show, um, they had a clip of Coco B, where basically killing him with a drop kick, and he's wanted a rematch ever since. Um, Ross said that this event was being broadcast throughout the state of Oklahoma live on radio. So, Phil, do you have any memory of this at all? I do not, other than, uh, as we mentioned last time, did a podcast with you. I remember they would give away, you'd call in and be the right caller to get free tickets to, yeah. to a wrestling match or something. I don't ever remember the matches being broadcast. But, of course, if this was in Tulsa, I would have had to been in the right place at the right time. I was probably down in Oklahoma City at this time. Yeah. So I uh, don't remember matches being broadcast, but I do remember the television commercials and them giving away the tickets. Okay. Coco was wearing a lovely gold jacket and he took his sweet time getting to the ring. And um, Frank talks about the strange moves you get south of the border in wrestling. Coco tried to end Gustavo with a clothesline this time. Like, I mean, end him. Um, and then followed it up later with his middle rope drop kick that was pretty stiff, albeit not quite as murderous. Um, I really like the way they built but they built up what happened before in terms of getting this match um, back together again. Um, Terry, what do you think about this short um, Coco and Gustavo? I haven't written the, the time down, but let's say it's two minutes. I don't know what it was. Yeah, a good good match. Coco's always fun. Uh, remind me again, the Libyan, was was he related to this guy? D didn't you guys say the name was pretty similar? Well, I think that Phil may have said that it was this guy, perhaps, maybe doing double duty, but um, oh, yeah. Okay. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, because he, he looks similar in the name. Sure, it sounds the same. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. Maybe I'm getting my guys mixed up. But I know why they had a Libyan, for sure. And yeah. I might have just was looking up different folks, and I might have got them too confused, actually. It, it may well be that he was doing doing two two gimmicks for, for a short amount of time. And perhaps, you know, the, the uh, media want to have the, the Libyan on, on TV was gone. Because I, I guess now, actually, the, the feud has changed to the, the Freebirds, isn't it? So with, with Eddie sort of hanging around at the same time. And uh, Phil, what did you think about this Coco and Gustavo match? I thought it was an interesting angle, right? You, you know, I want, he, he's begging for a rematch because he looks bad every day on the opening credits, right? Yeah, yeah. Getting that drop kick. I thought that was a great angle. Yeah, it was so, so, so good. Such good fun. Now, final ad break. Always a sad moment. And we got the following message is going to come as a big surprise. 
we got a picture of a ring layered with 30 genuine diamels and is genuine 14 karat gold. And now it's available through this special TV offer for, for $12.95. I don't, I'd never heard of the, the word diamel before this. Um, with this, you got a triple tiered dinner ring. And if you ordered within 24 hours, you got a Scandinavian snowball ring, which was a ghastly contraption with two white things sticking out like the stick, sticking out the top like a pair of alien eyeballs. Um, Phil, did you ever buy anyone um, some I genuine didn't, diamels? Didn't, I think I, I think I missed it. I don't think I got to get in on that. Yeah. <laughs> Terry, what about you? <laughs> My biggest pet peeve for infomercials of all time is they tell you what a great, great deal this is and then oh, decide to give you something else for free. Yeah, Why yeah. the hell do you have to have something else if this is such a great deal in the first place? Big it time. Kills Big kills time. Yep. Promo from Taylor and Duggan next talking about what had happened with Watts and they said they couldn't just sit back because it could be them next. Duggan and Taylor wouldn't stay down and this was the home of winners. Uh, and as we talked about, these were local promos in replacement of promos uh, for events because they were in New Jersey. Um, backstage, we got Bill Watts. And I guess actually the plan at some point was probably to try and run some of these towns, um, but they weren't at this point. And um, backstage, we got Bill Watts with a white towel wrapped around his head. Uh, white towels are, of course, known for their great therapeutic benefits. Watts said he stands and always has stood for what he's believed in. It might not be the most popular or the easiest. When he threw his hat back in the ring, he knew he would be live bait. And he knows he's stuck in the craw of the Freebirds ever since they blinded the junkyard dog. He embarrassed them back then and forced them to leave. And he'd do the same again. He said they made one fatal mistake. He was still breathing. I thought this was tremendous from Watts. Terry, what do you make of this uh, cowboy promo? He, he was always the best at getting these angles over. Yeah. You know, he's just, he, he's just tremendous. Uh, just tremendous at doing it. And, and I know I'm obsessing over this dang gash in Duggan's head. But <laughs> this interview, his head is shaved on the side. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's shaved on the side. So, so that means that legit stitches, I guess, probably. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Phil, what did you make like, of this Cowboy Bill yeah. Watts promo? You know, you, you made a good point about Tal. Uh, it, I wonder if it was a hot scalding towel. I wonder if he... <laughs> only, only a you scalding know, He's treating towel. these guys, Dr. Dr. Skandar Ekbar, is that your doctor? Mm. I don't know. Uh, so... Uh, but you know he makes the point uh, that uh, you didn't finish the job. I'm I'm still alive, so setting it up for more to come. Absolutely. In the ring, we cut back to the missing link, who is now a babyface versus Jack Victory. As the credits started to roll, Ross wondered where Lady Maxine was. Uh, the Mrs. Mi the Miss Mrs. Link, the missing link, was accompanied by Dark Journey, and he beat Victory in short order, and that was it. I thought this was an absolutely superb episode of UWF and the best for some time. Um, just great stuff from start to finish. Newsworthy, star-studded, people were over, crowd was into it. Just great. Um, so, Phil, what are your final thoughts on this week of television, this June the 28th, 1986 week? I agree. Now, uh, you know, Terry, Terry, you know, makes a point. I, I, I know what, what you're feeling, though, Terry. It's not the gritty, dark, you know, where all you can see is the ring, doesn't have that feel that we had when we were kids. But if you're going to have a big production, I really like the, the the atmosphere and, you know, just the overall atmosphere of this being at the Tulsa Convention Center. 
Uh, yeah, Terry Oak with the big crowd. Yeah, I I I, I agree. I th- I kind of feel like to, to, towards the back end of the Irish McNeil Boys Club, especially especially when they didn't have such over people, and I think that that came into it. You know, Rock and Roll Express, Midnight Express, that sort of Matt the Magnums, all those feuds. That but they they did go through. And again, this is this is territorial wrestling. You're going to get periods or cycles where they just didn't they didn't have the stars that were over and they would introduce people or cycle people out but i did think this was a this is this is a step up at this stage um so terry what are your final thoughts on this uh june 28th episode yeah re- really good show I, I agree guys uh you know one of the things that did kind of stick out to me if you remember back in 84 uh the mid-south they really went with some of the smaller guys to, and and it deter, the, the thing they used was was getting more women, getting more girls at the, at the shows. If you look now, back here now in 86, they've gone back to the big guys. I mean, this show is just loaded yeah. with big dudes. You know, there's no Rock and Roll Express. There's no Midnight Express. There's no Fantastics. It's just big brawlers. And so, uh, you know, a l- little bit of a switch back to, to, to kind of, before 84 yeah definitely there is yeah you're absolutely right the body shape and type of this promotion is and you know we are really in big guy land in terms of wf again at this point and even crockett people like the road warriors etc so as we saw on the the recent crockett cup right that is it for this week that is it for terry and phil but in good news as i said earlier on they're back next week and until then we shall speak to you all again very very soon yeah, this is Eric Watts, and for all you phenomenal wrestling fans and fans of this podcast, please do me a favor. If you're looking at uh, more information about Mid-South Sports, Power Pro Wrestling, Universal Wrestling, go to universalwrestling.com and check out that website. It's a must-see.